stop. Cut it out. I need you to chill out. So Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is basically a movie about how Quentin Tarantino is sad about being an old man. And that's a whole thing. It's like, oh, I'm so sad. I'm going to be totally forgotten. It's like I've won like two Oscars or something, but I'm going to be forgotten. Oh my God. I have to write this 25 minute sequence of Sharon Tate walking down a street because why not? It's not even a nice street. It's an ugly street. LA has so many ugly streets and therefore it's an ugly street with an ugly movie added to this ugly street. And that's it. Today on Discussion Radio, we talk it. So if you enjoyed Riley's review of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, you're going to love his thoughts on It, Chapter 2. Here we go. Hey. You're going to start. Hi, y'all bumbling fools. Today we got Riley Gardner, my roommate. Hello. Who's been gloriously talked about on almost every single episode because he's the only human interaction I get on a daily basis. And we're going to introduce Riley again in the second part of the episode. Because we just like him that much. We recorded the second part of the episode already. <laughs> you giving him all our secrets? Why are you giving him all our secrets? We have a great uh, discussion about It Chapter 2 coming up. But, um, it is marvelous. It should just be our format. We just start the second half first. It's like this is going to be marvelous. And then the second half is going to be Marvelous Chapter 2. That's great. Just like the movie It Chapter 2. Look, we got the uh, title right there. Perfect. What? Oh, and cool. Riley, Riley. I did something. Marvelous, marvelous and Marvelous, chapter, marvelous marvelous chapter, chapter 2. Pennywise. Let's call it Marvelous and Marvelous Chapter 2. That's what yes. I'm saying. Yes. How are you guys doing? How's the week going? Are you talking to me? Yeah. Everybody. Why don't we talk to DeAndre first? Oh. His week has been more interesting. He's met movie stars. Hectic and crazy. Okay, first of all, I'm written under an NDA, so I really don't know how much I can say without legally like getting in Just trouble. kidding. He's met B-list movie stars. Um, okay, sure. <laughs> we'll go with that. Uh, but yeah. I'm busy at work. This week has been crazy. Uh, happy Labor Day to everybody. I had to labor all week. Uh, <laughs> I hope you guys have had an easier time this week. I know Franco was texting me, checking up on me, and he's like, how's your week going? Because mine's bullshit. <laughs> nice. And I live that same life. Yeah. Well, I also had to work on Labor Day, but I decided that I was like, you know, fuck this. I'm going to hmm. take two lunches today because it was just me at work. Wow. Man, so I, I wish I could lunches. take two lunches. Just they fought up. for our right to have two lunches. That's right. Wow. So if, and if my work hears this, I don't care. Took two lunches. Yeah. Fire us. Fire me. Go. No, please don't fire me. Oh, yeah, Lord. I cats. mean, it depends on what the job, <laughs> which job it is. Please don't fire me. Please. It depends don't. on which job. That is true. <laughs> and I won't say any more than that. <laughs> That's true. Well, play, playing Russian roulette on jobs right now. <laughs> yeah. How was your week, Riley? My week has been vaguely uneventful, but um, inside of my head has been a, I don't know, claustrophobia situation of just consistent political news over and over and over and over again, mostly about 2020 which is my main interest and how we're going to win or possibly lose in 2020. Uh, and so I read an article on Monday about how reading all the political polls will eventually give me an ulcer. And I responded <laughs> to that by consistently refreshing real clear politics like 5,000 times to see exactly where it's going. And a little so. bumper, his roommate has not been helpful because of working and just being totally drained. He's been totally 
vicious to Riley, and DeAndre apologizes for that. Thank you. All Riley will consider your apology and maybe brutal. forgive you in a letter tomorrow. Well, to be fair, Riley does abuse me physically when oh, I abuse him. I don't physically. Verbally. I abuse people when they... Not like... It. I've never seen you physically abuse DeAndre. I don't. What he's talking about is I tend to come into his room and knock something over when I get, like... The need for attention. Yeah, he'll be. And okay. DeAndre responds very like, "Get the fuck out!" <laughs> like, okay, well, you can't talk about my. Riley my actually jobs. inches well, his way into my room. He like stands at the doorway creepily, and then he'll he'll see something like the window not being open, so he'll go open the window, and then like, I'm trying to improve your quality of life. <laughs> it's like you'd be happier if the window was open and sunlight was streaming in, and instead you just sit in the fucking darkness scrolling on your phone. But then he gradually becomes more feline, and then comes to my like feline. little like. It night, really is the only way to describe yeah, it. <laughs> my nightstand and starts knocking things over like a cat, and I'm like, Jesus Christ, right? Like, yeah. He just wants you to get that natural light. I do. I really want you to. That I don't know why your light. window's closed all the time. Um, because Mine's I brood. All That's what I do. Why do you brood? Because I'm Batman. That's no. incredibly boring. We <laughs> all want you to be Sims Batman. Ew. Ooh. I forgot about for that. Um, I'm honestly. But you know what? Like, it's really, really hard if you're on social media at all, or even if you're not, if you just use Google to not yeah. get sucked in. Because I've tried for months to not get sucked in, and I'm doing okay. But, like, as soon as I see a piece of news, I'm like, well, I got to read this. And then I'm right back in. I know. And I'm just, like, I'm so exhausted by the Trump news that he consistently makes every day. And I am so even more exhausted by the hot takes of Twitter as to Trump's behavior, which is, you know, in some cases justified. In some cases, like, Trump took a step to the left and everyone's like, God, how could he? And I'm like, really? I want, like, legitimate discussion once upon a time about this. and. Yeah. Um, it just never happens. And so I'm just furious. So I am just trying to get to the next stage of my political life, which is refreshing polls consistently over and over and over again to see who wins. And, um, speaking of politics, I got dragged to a parade today that DeAndre forced me to go on, which made me have this realization that parades are perhaps the worst possible way to advertise your political campaign. And... I think DeAndre is on Tinder as we speak. DeAndre no, is I'm literally trying Instagram. to get vetted while I'm talking about our Senate campaign it's for the these state of New like, Mexico. It's stupid little like, notification you get from like Jenny12018, whatever, you know. like the, Oh, the like, do you want to yeah. see my nudes? Jenny? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's very sad. Poor Jenny. Um, Jenny, you don't got to do this. She's You're still Jenny from the block. <laughs> it's, it's okay. <laughs> oh, anyway. Yeah, if you're running for office, don't march in a parade because everyone is literally going to forget you. Yeah, I am still convinced. Except that. the one that actually acknowledged my shirt today. I'm that he's got my vote. Oh, who was that? I don't know. Yeah, you don't know who it is, <laughs> but you're gonna vote for him. He's running for uh, the northern New Mexico's district seat uh, for the House of Representatives, which, as it turns out, seems to have like five thousand people running for that seat. So um, I don't know. We had a lot of interesting candidates that walked by us. Yeah, today. we also had a very interesting lady sitting next to or standing next to us. Oh my god! I really wish that biker would have stayed next to lady. us. I know. You can't just like, drop that and then just like okay. Oh, look, also, this. So what are you talking about, everybody? We went to the parade and it's Fiesta time in Santa Fe, so big old party for the weekend. Anyways, um, we were at the parade and the parade had started. And there was a gentleman next to us, some biker guy. The parade stalled at some point, so there was a big break in between before it caught the rest of the parade caught up. 
And that biker, I guess, thought it was over or something, so he left. And, or moved, whatever. But as the parade was kind of, like, getting towards us again, we hear this lady be like, oh, my God, it started already? And, like, <laughs> I'm making her sound more Valley Girl than she is. I, no, I mean, she sounded pretty Valley Girl. But um, she, like, came up with, like, these two, three kids. I didn't look. I just, like, there's like, a few kids behind me, too, I remember. Um, <laughs> and... She, like, was out, not specifically talking to anyone in general. She was just like, oh, I didn't know the parade was already started. Like, what time did it start at? And no one responded. And I made the mistake of turning around and being like, oh, it started at, at, uh, at uh, 1. And she's like, oh, they said it started at 2. So she was, like, super annoyed because some, whoever they were, like, she was so vague. I was like, who, you're, you're your friends told you it was that too like what like you're not giving me any information i didn't acknowledge it but um i was like no it's one it's it's it started <laughs> well, at one she directed it to me and did was, she yeah and i was just standing there and she's like did the parade start and i just kind of looked at her and i was like yeah it started at one and she said they said it started at two i thought i acknowledged her we both did okay. I, well because oh, yeah, i we said did. it started at one and she said they said it started at two and then in and, my head, I was just like, well, I'm not even going to dignify this with a response because I have no idea how. So <laughs> yeah, it was like, it was so like absurd. it's and then, not that you got the wrong information because clearly there's like 10,000 people here already. She also like, like never in the history has the, this parade ever started that late before. It's always been like around one. And so the fact that like this, this has gone on for decades how do you not just like naturally know already that it's, yeah. it's gonna be this time like you should come know. on um so she was like real annoyed about the parade starting not at two because it inconvenienced her and then they were all situated and they brought food they brought like taco bell and she's like i don't think we can eat here i don't think we can eat right <laughs> we here. can't eat standing up yeah and i was like <laughs> it's monstrous <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah she's like we can't be like animals we can't i was like what like Oh and then, yeah, and then she straight up was like, you guys don't need any candy. You don't need any sweets. And then the second anybody walked by, she's like, go, 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 get, go, candy. go, go get, get candy. candy. And then they yeah. come back like, well, you don't need any. He's like, go get candy. And both the go kids were like, we don't want candy. Like, whatever. And then, so, and then she would turn to one of them. And she's like, hey, do you want your taco? And like, pull out, like, I don't, I wasn't seeing this. I was trying to ignore her. And like, I hear her rummaging through stuff. And she's like, do you want hot or Diablo? And she would like, talk to one of the girls and be like, hey, hot or Diablo? Hey, hot or Diablo? And, and the little girl be like, I don't know. like, And then um, she was just like so ridiculous. And then the one of the little girls apparently swallowed her tooth. Which was the high <laughs> point. <laughs> Far more interesting than the actual parade because the little girl started crying. Like she, because she like, just swallowed her tooth and the girl, you could just, just, <laughs> just like freaking out. Because she ate a piece of candy and I guess her tooth was already loose. And the the, the lady right away <laughs> called her mom like, or text the mom actually and be like, your daughter ate her own tooth. And then the mom responded... <laughs> The, the mom responded with like a a, a, a semi-concerned text being like, oh my God, is she okay? Like, and then like shorthanding letters like MF and so, I don't know. Um, she was just like reading the text to her little, the little girl. And then 
Uh, what else was going on? What else happened? There was another. Well, she thing. turned to the little girl and said, "It's okay. You're gonna shit it out anyway." <laughs> 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 That's when I was like, "Whoa, okay." So oh, back man. to the marching band before Jesus. Quite a thing to just say. To but your also, child. yeah. The one notable thing that I do have to say positive <laughs> is like when I turned to talk to her the first time, I realized I was like, I saw her eyes. I was like, "Dang, you have like really uniquely colored eyes." Like I was just like, "Holy shit!" But that was it. <laughs> did you say that to her no oh because i don't want her to go off on me and be like oh thank you oh my no, god you could, have, you could have started something there. nope don't want to start gone into that high school nope. musical number absolutely not new. um oh my god <laughs> good number but there was something oh could have been she also started new. criticizing the parade because she's like wait didn't we already see capital why are they here like she had no idea how a parade is like set up i guess i don't know She's like, oh, they're all over the place. They like are, and I forget she said something in Spanish, but. It's so weird to me when I find people who care about stuff like that. It doesn't matter. I did Like, enjoy the parade. It reminds me of, I, I talked about this a couple weeks ago. Like, a couple weeks ago, Monique and I stayed in this um, B&B, and we were watching TV, and I never watched cable. And I saw this show that was like a reality TV show that like oh, I've God. never heard of. But I was like, the fact that the show is on means that there's people that watch this. There are every week. Yeah, they like put it. They're like, oh, I can't, I can't go out tonight. I can't miss this. You know, like I need um, to see if Jenny does the same thing with Hot Moms again. Of, of South Bend, Indiana. <laughs> like I can't. <laughs> they are specifically hot. Oh my god! It was something like that, and I was way. like, there's this whole group of people that, you know, I'm not not the same thing. Mean like if you, if you like shows like that, it's fine. But like, no, it's not actually. It, it's educationally oh. harmful. To the human brain. But this is a heavy okay. opinion that I was not expecting from DeAndre. I'm not going out. That's done with that. Like, <laughs> no, I was okay, just really sad. But yeah, like it, that's just always a weird thing for me when when something like that happens. When I realize that there's like a group of people that I didn't know existed, like people who care enough to complain about a parade. Yeah, yeah. It it it, it, it like it didn't matter. Like and I like made, you don't have any. Don't you have any bigger problems? Probably. This really bothers me. 100% I believe that she probably has more problems in life. But I should point out that I complained consistently about the parade throughout the parade. <laughs> That's I true. was But Riley very didn't much like, complain about the structure. Like the structure means nothing. And like there's, there's, they set it up, you know, like the way they set it up, it's fine. Like there was no, so basically what happened was like there was a float that came by. So Capitol High School had had several of its like teams, you know, basketball, whatever, yeah. come through. And then some floats for some other businesses. And then the Capitol cheerleaders came through on their own, like, separate thing. And that's where she was like, oh, my God, didn't we just see Capitol? Like, why are they here again? And I'm like, it's just the way they laid it out. It's no big deal. (laughs) It's okay. I just, I had this whole surreal realization about the bizarre aspect of what a parade even is. It it is so weird because parades are just, like, so haphazardly put together and it's primarily just like construction companies and high school sports teams that are walking together yeah and um you just sort of stand there and you sit and watch people walk and they wave at you which is weird because they would not wave at you in real life and i think it's i don't know it's I like team pride are, and like go vote it's like you go yeah. and ex- yeah and you go and expect like i don't know like a macy's thanksgiving day parade and it's like no it's just like <laughs> Things we threw together. Like kids mm-hmm. kicking around sports balls and yeah. some people on horses. And um, that's it. I think one of the more, one another highlight was one of the floats had high school kids in there. And 
they were chucking candy like into the crowd. And it hit your head. Yeah, it hit me in the chest. But it like, was yeah, very Riley like ducked behind me, and like I just I, I knew like, it was gonna happen I, at some point. I was like, these kids are out of control. I, I felt like this thunk right on me, and I was like, what the hell? Amazing. I'm kind of sore from it actually. <laughs> um, but like, I mainly wanted to go because Fetch was out there with coupon things, and uh, we managed to get three of them because. Uh, Riley bet he's like try to get three and I was like all right so I got one because I handed it to me and I hit it and then someone else came up to me and I grabbed it and then someone else was like do you have one I was like no and so I got a third one but um so and then there was who was that council woman nice. that's trying to run Teresa whatever who was super like Santa Fe and like oh her my signs god with a big old straw hat wearing and white lady wearing a Mexican that was dress a highlight and... too because she <sighs> trying to do some quote unquote indigenous dances or something yeah. like that but and she I was, was like Teresa she was the highlight because she her team made the, the signs they were creative signs they didn't go print them that was off. cool and like she had like some fun like Louisiana style music playing but I was like wrong wrong state but okay yeah. but it caught notice and then she just went through the crowd and was like I am going to be your next representative yeah, she, and she I was, was like, like 100% confident. like wow it's gonna be me like, it's not gonna be Teresa no. but I was so glad <laughs> Teresa took Sorry, that Teresa. I don't know Put it somewhere where it mattered. So, do you guys use Fetch? No. No, but I I want to. That's why I wanted to get these coupons to start try it out. But I mean, plenty of people. It's probably. It seems like it's had a pretty decent year. They've upgraded a lot of their stuff and everything. Their app and their services. It's expensive. That's why we got the coupons. They're like, hey, it makes your life easier. Also, we have to charge you an extra twelve dollars for delivery. That's like with everything. Yeah, well, this is Santa Fe, New Mexico. It's not New York City. I would pay like a $12 delivery fee if they were going across Manhattan. But there's also dashing delivery had nothing. So I That was really funny. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if they I just drove their cars. Yeah. I don't know if I would necessarily do it for oh, food. Another thing yeah. that lady criticized in the parade, now that I remember, was. She's the, haunting our yeah. <laughs> The lowriders. So there's like a whole lowrider group that was in the middle of the parade. And she's like, oh, my God, that car's so ugly. Like, you don't make a lowrider <laughs> a modern car. Here. Like, why is it this car? And I was like, that's an old car. Like, that's fine as a lowrider. And she's like, oh, my God, like, ew. And then, like, the, an, another lowrider came up, and that was an old model car. And she's like, now that's a lowrider. That's the kind of car you make a lowrider. I was like, there, is there a standard? We should also like, point out this woman was about 50 years old. Yeah. And then she was not a young lady. And then okay. what was the other that thing? That makes me feel a little better. Yeah. What was the other thing that she like was bringing up? She was, uh, it was the low rider. And then, oh, one of the low riders um, popped up on its side, like two wheels as it was turning around the bend. And she gasped. She's like, <gasps> she audibly gasped. Yeah. And then the next thing that she said after she gasped, she's like, wait, what happened? And I was like, <laughs> you just gasped at what happened. How do, you, how do you not? And one of the little girls was like, it went on two wheels. And I was like, you just, I don't yeah. understand. The moral of the story is that people watching the parade are better than the actual parade itself. <laughs> so this is do what you can. People to get watching next to the, at its greatest and most interesting honestly. person. Oh, man. Like that, that's definitely the highlight, I guess. Story stressed me out. <laughs> Sorry. It's okay. I can stress you out more. I can talk to you about the state of our country right now. Oh, God. Please don't. The Discussion Ready podcast is not always easy. No. Sometimes you get... Neither is America. Good. It it's shouldn't not easy. be easy. It's not easy. It shouldn't you be. know why? 
because democracies were built for agrarian societies and farmers, and now we're a highly urbanized society, and nobody knows what the fuck to do anymore. So, by the way. Yay to automation? What? Yay to automation? I don't think automation. Yay to automation. It's yay to Yaoman farmers. <laughs> Did you just make that up? No, that's a terminology. Yaoman farmers? Yaoman, Yaman. I don't know how to say it. Okay. It's like an everyman farmer. I don't know. I don't really know how to describe it, but it's easier to be involved in your democracy when you have I don't like, know what I think about like like automation anymore. I mean mm-hmm. I'm sure it's gonna be a problem. Did but I've heard that? so many different opinions about like reasons why it might not be as much of a problem as we think it's gonna be. And just like different experts saying different things that I don't know. I just I had to check myself this week because I've thought for a long I was like convinced like this is gonna be a huge, like devastating issue. Maybe well, it will, but then I heard like a couple arguments about like maybe it won't be in the way that we think it is. Apparently, we had the ability to fully automate in the 60s and 70s. I think that's where I was... Re- I, dang, I'm going to need to find where it is. But um, at that time, like, automation was a real reality that could have happened. Like, they could have just, like... I could see the problem if it was just, like, an overnight thing where they're like, okay, everything's going to go automated and everyone's out of work, you know? Um, but apparently, the reason they didn't go forward with it right away was because um the products that automation would need to build were ever evolving rapidly Mm. which means the equipment would have to change rapidly which means the price of that would be too expensive to maintain right away Mm -hmm. and now that things are pretty much standardized you know all cell phones are a brick all like you know like in like modern day like car bodies are generally the same like design you can automate it without having to put too much change on the equipment but even if you need to upgrade the equipment it's super cheap and quick to do now too because the equipment can like be updated instead of having to it's instead of actually having to change the components you just like type in code to be like okay you need to tweak this on your system interesting um but it was very it could have been a very real like thing decades ago but of course economic impact would have been a huge thing plus just certain things not uh what's it called beneficial or yeah beneficial towards company but nowadays like yeah we're trickling towards that still mm-hmm. and I, I i see it it is still gonna be a problem but i don't think it's gonna be everyone like i i blame movies for this too is the fact that like movies make things seem like so dramatic and all this change is gonna happen right away but in reality it's it's very slow and like you'll you might feel a minor impact and it builds to that like i think the best one is the day after tomorrow which is all about climate change and like not highly scientifically accurate but it all these events happen all at the same time but in actuality <laughs> it's, it's it's a slow buildup. like you know we're getting worse and worse hurricanes but and worse and worse like tornadoes but they're not all causing it at the same time no and they're not also all suspiciously destroying u.s landmarks yeah just randomly weird all these disasters are going after our buildings and that's i i feel like that's a problem with like people's expectations because they see these movies and they're like well that's not happening yeah exactly it can't be that bad because we're where is it the movie show like it'd be like just crazy you know i actually could make the argument that it's more of a negative thing to see a slow decay of your home rather than um, a fast apocalyptic like yeah collapse because generally speaking it's more emotionally i guess emotionally it's a lot more tolling 
um, to see that. And it's also bad in the long run because it doesn't push people to go out and get in jobs or go back to school because they're if a slow and steady decline, you're not going to see it. So you're more likely to stay in your community and wait until like, oh, another job's eventually going to come around. But yeah, it's not. Yeah, and I think that's where a lot of nowadays tech schools are very important, like trade schools and stuff. You need to learn skill sets that are becoming of a modern world rather than what you've always done. What yeah. about UBI? Yeah. What do we think about UBI? Ooh, I don't know. Universal basic Ooh, income. We're getting into it. Aren't so we? okay, so I don't know what I think of UBI. I mean, I've have I've gone back and forth about it, but mm-hmm. um, like on this topic, just about like big political opinions i Mm -hmm. took this test this weekend that was really interesting my wife and i both took it and um essentially what it is is it's like have you seen the graph where it has like libertarian at the top and authoritarian? yeah so i took we both took it and i've taken this too yeah so it asks you it's a really really cool test because like obviously there's a lot of nuances that it doesn't account for, mm-hmm. but it asks you like really big complicated questions and it doesn't allow you to, to give a middle answer. You have to say, yes, I agree. Yes. I, I like strongly agree or no, I don't agree or no, I strongly disagree. Oh right. yeah. I have done this. And there was like a lot of it was stuff that I've never thought about in the way that it was asked before. And so Ooh. I had to answer it and, and like I had to really, really think about a lot of things such as tell us. Well, like there was questions like for instance, um, one question that sticks out in my, my memory is like, uh, should like agree or disagree? Um, international law sometimes has to be broken by the military. The U S military. Yeah. By the U S yeah. no, just by military mm, at, okay. across the board. And you okay. have to say agree or disagree or strongly agree or strongly disagree. You can't say like, like, you know, not sure you have to like choose one. Interesting. But doesn't the test also have like a, a mid range too? Like it's like, well, so what it does more is it neutral, puts you more. Yeah. So what it does is it puts you on the graph and shows you like whether you're more. So it, it's divided by left and right. And it shows you like how far to the left you are or how far to the right you are. And that's like on economics. And then it shows you it accounts for like social issues and then also just general like government um, control and shows you like how far up or down you are on that spectrum. So the thing that was really interesting to me is that like um, I've always thought that I was more economically left than my wife mm-hmm. and that she was a little more socially liberal than I am. But when we took the test and we saw our results, we, it was almost like a four point split that Uh-oh. like she was more economically left than me. And I was more um, like socially liberal or just, but like more libertarian in the sense of like, you know, do what you want. Like it doesn't affect me. So, and, and I wasn't, I never would have thought that, but, it, but we, the thing that was cool about it was, like I said, it like gave us questions that like showed how we, what our attitudes are about like really big issues mm-hmm. in ways that we had never, you know, had to look at. So was dinner quiet that night? <laughs> no, it was actually, I was going to say, I actually would encourage people to take the test. And especially if you have like a partner, because it's, it can be really fun. To, like, at least for us, like maybe not for everybody, we had a really fun time like <laughs> talking about some of these things. Any information on where to find the test? Yeah, I'll put it on our uh, Twitter. So you have to follow us at ReadyPod. I should send it to yeah. Instagram. On, and on Instagram, yeah. And follow um, us at ReadyPod. I should on send Instagram. it to my dad, who's been Facebooking about how he's Maybe totally I can find it right that now, Democrats actually. are going to ban cows. Uh, but <laughs> overall, my opinion on UBI is to pull back that conversation a little bit. Is I don't mind trying it. Like, again, 
I don't know why there's this whole thing whenever a law gets passed, like people fear it because it's not like it can't be undone. Like try it. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. America is very curious in that fact and that we, um, for some reason seem to consistently view culturally that the government's always taking things away, probably because we were born in a society in which the government was trying to take things away. That's a nice little chart that Franco's showing us right now. So therefore, um, it's called a scarcity mindset, DeAndre. It's okay. the idea that the most powerful nation in the world that has more resources at its hand than anyone else has ever had in the history, probably of this planet, somehow does not have enough to go around. And therefore, it's like it's me or the highway. And uh, that's a problem. Well, thank you for that. You're welcome. This is going to be one lengthy episode, but that is okay. Who cares? This is, so, this this is fantastic, and yeah. I love it very much. There's The thing about UBI that's really interesting to me is that I've only recently realized that it's actually almost a an economically libertarian idea. Mm-hmm. At least that's the way that it's actually kind of being. Because a lot of people on Twitter have been pointing out that um, Andrew Yang, a lot of what he's proposing is more libertarian than it is like left, like economic left. Right, yeah. Because his solution is like, well, do UBI, but UBI will essentially replace welfare. And he's mm-hmm. not in favor of free college. He is in favor of Medicare for all, but... I don't know if he's like, I don't know. How, so maybe that, I mean, I don't know how, how the universal healthcare fits into the rest of the stuff, but like when you hear him talk, a lot of it is around like business and, and like, um, like giving people enough money so that they can spend money and put money back into the right. economy. It's yeah. not about like, and his argument is like, if we do that, that will improve human life, which I think there's probably something there, but I don't know. Like that actually kind of gives me pause on UBI, if that makes sense. That maybe that's that it's not the solution that I thought it was. Mm. Well, I don't know. UBI is only in I don't know. There's a small place in what is it, Sweden that's trying it out, I think, mm-hmm. and or Finland maybe, um, and Alaska of course has their UBI, and um, Vermont is also experimenting with a version of UBI, and it's primarily a population control thing not because people are leaving their states yeah everyone hates alaska and vermont's filled with old people and they don't want people to leave and so they're like here's money um i think alaska is like more like if you're just living there they give you like a stipend versus like vermont's like a really particular thing you have to do interesting um but from what i understand especially in um the trials that they were conducting in in the i don't know where it was somewhere in the uh scandinavian region they're, they're finding that it doesn't necessarily improve life, like quality of life. Um, it's actually sort of, in some intriguing cases, kind of pushing the opposite. Because um, people are, when they have enough money to go around, it's sort of pushing this new notion of being alive. Uh, where suddenly life is more about satisfaction than it is about paying the bills. And so it's like this new sort of like emptiness that is arising mm. against humanity, which is a really intriguing concept. Um, so it's not necessarily, it is basically helping people cover expenses that are otherwise difficult to cover, but, um, it's not necessarily improving quality of life. People aren't necessarily feeling better. Um, but it still has its advantages. Yang has jumped from one to 3% in the polls. So yeah, (laughs) the Yang gang, the Yang gang. (laughs) I saw a video today of him crowd surfing. Oh my God. Thanks. (laughs) I hate it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, I think this is where we'll finish off here.
We'll transition, you mean. We'll transition, we'll transition into, into uh it into, to no, what do we it, call it? Chapter two. It, chapter the marvelous two. and marvelous chapter two. Yes, into the next chapter. chapter two. Turn the page. This is what you listen to the show for. We're gonna talk about a movie about an evil clown, and we're just giving you our opinions <laughs> about, about universal evil clown. Is oh, anyone yeah. still Wait. there? Is anyone still listening? If you're still listening, hallelujah. God bless you. Follow us at ReadyPod and rate and review the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, God. We or are Instagram. Or Franco Instagram. likes to forget that we have an Instagram. I do not like to forget on Instagram. Yeah, well, I, but I do forget. So. <laughs> do Follow us I'm, on Instagram. Do you think Marion Williamson is listening to our pod right now? I'm super positive she is. Did you guys see that she sent and someone who, like a letter about like an Instagram DM about like um, this woman's daughter was being mean to her like through like Twitter? Are you kidding? And me? she sent the mom a message oh being like, God. "How could you let this happen?" Wow. <laughs> And who else was you were saying that retweeted or something? Oh, shout out to Kyle Kingsbury who like retweeted something from us. Um, for people who don't know, Kyle Kingsbury is a host of a really successful podcast called the Kyle Kingsbury Hour or the Kyle, I think maybe maybe it's just called the Kyle Kingsbury Podcast. Know I know I he's changed the name a bunch of times. Okay, but he's like um, he's re- he's really into like health and and um, lifestyle. It's a health and lifestyle podcast. And um, that was just really cool. So thank you, Kyle, for retweeting us. And everybody should go check out his podcast. And um, also the guy who was on the podcast that we tweeted about, his name is Ramit Seti. And he's the guy who talks about personal finance. And I listened to him. Yeah, it actually like really was helpful to me because I've never really been great at like making budgets and stuff like that so good okay yeah so thank and he retweeted us too he's a new york times best-selling author so big thanks to remit and uh kyle well enjoy our marvelously epic episode bye chapter two Okay, so we're here with uh, Riley Gardner, who you guys have heard about many times because he is DeAndre's roommate. And I have no choice but to brag about him on and off throughout this whole series. You probably remember him from the instances in which DeAndre has brought him up without explaining who he is, and then I have explained who he is. <clears throat> but Riley is our good friend who is <laughs> Riley is a writer with a background in film. Did you say probably is a writer? He might be a writer. Is Wait, I didn't even know you guys were like, talking about me i said for sure he's a writer i didn't say i don't know where you got that i, I heard probably is a writer i said so. he i said you probably remember him from and then you tuned out this is scary <laughs> and stopped listening well, to I'm back saying. okay so we all saw it chapter two this weekend and one of the first things that we were talking about as we were discussing it just before we started recording was the um sir did you make sure the mic is correct yeah. Is the okay. mic correct? Just is it on? Is it recording? Oh, it's re- we're recording. Just yeah. sometimes Franco likes to uh, pretend wrong, we're making a podcast. Pick the wrong mic. Oh, well. And then we we record for 30 minutes and then we look and... <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. One time that happened and we recorded... Tw- I did it twice. But the third time oh, yeah. we actually got it oh, was God. like the best one. So Yeah, it did, it did work out. Because we were so tired that we just like gave up. We were like, we just said we're <laughs> done. Anyways, it chapter two. So we were talking about how there's a couple scenes in the movie where they rehashed, or rather, re they they showed scenes from the first film, but they uh, either expanded on them or they made them shorter. So, what did you guys think about that? 
I want Riley's opinion one? first. Oh, you want my opinion in. first? You want the entire movie all-encompassing oh or God. the specific part of the movie? Wherever you Not necessarily to. that part. If there's another part, you yeah. just would jump in wherever. But you want me to talk about a part? Yes. A part of the movie. Okay, or whatever. not my view of the entire movie. Well, what was your view in the entire movie, first of all? Okay. Um, my view of the entire movie was... Well, I guess I should go with the... Um, preface that i don't really like horror movies i think they're all kind of stupid in a way yep there goes my future career there (laughs) i don't i should clarify that i mean to say a lot of modern horror movies have been so alarmingly disappointing that i kind of gave up on the genre i would agree with that yeah i think horror is doing really well and i think horror comedy is doing like super well too and i think it is like in this really good um self-awareness space where it knows more or less how ridiculous the premise is and it's not afraid to play that with the audience. And it's not afraid to um, really, I don't know, hone that up a lot. And I, I appreciate that about the movie itself. And I think that also leads to the conundrum of, is it supposed to be scary or not? Um, and I think there's like a segment of viewers who expect to be really scared. And there's another segment of viewers who expect to be really entertained and I sort of fall into um, the second category there where I expect to be really entertained because um, I just think about the premise a lot and I just kind of start laughing in my head about how ridiculous the whole concept of it is. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <just> the, <laughs> I don't know. the um, Killer space clown? Well, I, I read that Stephen King was inspired by um, the, the urban myths and legends in Maine because is he from Maine? He yeah. spends a lot of time there at least. Yeah. He's from Maine. Most of his novels and stories take place in Maine. Okay. Um, so he's, I have read that he was like inspired by that. And so it's sort of like based off like the, the things kids say around October about the scary things that live under the town. And I think that's where the movie is like really strong. But I think if you're looking for like a real big scare fest, you're not going to find that. And that kind of is in my view, maybe where people are falling into this. It's not as good. I think I think the problem is that people were expecting the killer clowns to appear, appear again before the movies happened. Clowns plural. Yeah, remember that oh. whole clown scare that started happening around. You mean back I just read that apparently New Line had to put out a statement after the giant clown scare of 2016 because there was this conspiracy theory that they were behind it trying to like virally promote their movie, and apparently like a, a woman put out a statement just straight up saying we have no involvement. That was us. Which is also alarming that that has taken place and nobody really remembers it. Like the world has changed so much since 2016 that we forget that in January of that year, there was this epidemic of like clowns all over the country, like terrorizing human beings. That is so weird. I remember I got, I remember that only because I had a really popular, I had had like one of my most popular tweets when that was happening. Mm -hmm. I don't remember what it was, but like I know it was about, popular, but I yeah. just don't remember what it wrote. That's oh, like, but that's it? what. What was the tweet? I said something like, you know, like I wish a Ronald McDonald looking motherfucker would try to. Like, oh, <laughs> I kind <laughs> of really like ridiculous. Really yeah, but wow. but what you said made me think of um, when I was working at a Megaplex movie theater like six years ago. I ran into this weird thing with horror movies. Because I've always really enjoyed watching horror movies, even though I don't necessarily, you know, think they're all great movies. And I was, I would notice this really interesting like split in terms of the people who would go see them when I was working there. Because the movies that I thought were incredible horror movies 
like the two that come to mind are The Witch and uh, It Follows, the two that I enjoyed the most from the period of, that I was working there. The people that generally enjoyed horror movies hated those horror movies. And they're, and I would like ask them why, and they'd always say, well, it wasn't scary, so it basically wasn't a horror movie. Mm. And the ones they've enjoyed the most were the ones that I think are, you know, not great movies, like um, Insidious or... Halloween. Uh, I actually haven't even seen the modern Halloween, so I can't... All, even, like, all the paranormal test. activities. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The jump scary movies. But I hadn't even thought about that, how that might be playing into some of the audience reactions. That's interesting. I didn't even realize that. that this like season is kind of the year of the clown because we also get Joker this year, like in a month. Oh my god! Everyone's about the clowns again. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm not seeing Joker. I'm not saying oh. you have to see. I'm just saying oh. like it's it's clown a thing. Fight this has season. broken out. <laughs> why aren't you seeing Joker? Tell us. Tell us your feelings. I probably will join you, but I don't know why yet. So uh, I don't know why. Just boycott it. Please tell me. You know, I don't really have any strong like opposition to the creation of the movie or like the movie as a concept it's uh -huh. more just like when i saw the trailer i just thought about how like in our country right now um like chronic mental illness is a huge problem that's not being addressed uh -huh. and so like going to see a movie that maybe inadvertently like glorifies a unmedicated like uncared for vision of that is not something i want to support i guess i guess that, that came out a little fair. stronger than i intended but like oh that's fine does that make sense that yeah, makes sense i, I was totally okay i was more or less thinking that it was just going to be like a really strong actor show piece like maleficent which i was just kind of screaming <laughs> about before the movie which we jokingly call like two-thirds of the movie it's just a close-up on angelina jolie's eyes because that's what it is <laughs> and um i feel like this is going to be like a two-thirds of the movie on joaquin phoenix's cheekbones or something like that and i don't know i'm not really interested more in the how did they become tragic story it's like yeah kind of worn out for me frankly i i, I don't know I think Disney ruined it with Maleficent. Disney ruined everything with Disney Maleficent, actually. Disney continues to ruin everything. They, they do, but they'll, it all started with Maleficent. I wonder if they'll Maleficent. shoot it the same way with Eternals anytime Angelina Jolie's on screen. I have no idea what that is, but I'm sure Maleficent ruined it. It's a Marvel thing. Okay, um, that's why. Anyways, going back to It. Oh, yeah. That's uh, the whole, yeah, chapter two. Uh, we were talking about different scenes that were been extended in the flashback scenes um, that weren't actually in the first film. Or were, but then the extended scenes kind of revealed a little bit more, which I, I was okay with. Like, overall, the movie was fine. I don't know why, like, I like Riley's tweet about, what did you say? Like, these sadists. I tweet so much, I can't remember. <laughs> oh, I accuse everyone of being sadists because they just love being in pain by movies that aren't really even, like, that bad. Yeah, and me and yeah. Riley were talking about, because me and Riley went to go see it, and we were talking about how, like, it just, maybe the difference also is that it doesn't have that, like, childish charm like coming of age kind of feel to it because they're all adults now even though there's the flashback scenes um and then the movie has some weird like slightly weird miscues or things that we kind of just like didn't understand very much so now it's going to start to get kind of spoilery but a moment that we talked about uh was that when eddie was his name the character who's hypochondriac yeah. yes when he has his like vision of going down into the basement and there's a man who's like a leper who like throws up on him there's a 
like the what song is that that plays? It's the song that's that's in, that was in all the Deadpool trailers. I don't know, just too. keep eighties pop music, the basically. Angel, the angel song. man's mouth <laughs> <laughs> The vomit particles, and it is, and it's cut so abruptly, and it's just like so jarring that like I just like burst out laughing. Of course, everybody <laughs> else did too. Like it's just so random, and then I think the sound that I made was more like, "Oh, <laughs> that's cute." <laughs> I did that when the little spider head thing became a thing, and like had a tentacle coming out of its eye, and I was like, "Oh, I nice. can't do that." Yeah, I heard you <laughs> squeaming about yeah. that. Actually, let me if I could get on that point real quick because I think that's an interesting point about the movie itself, which is. It's humor was like differently sourced than the first film. Mm-hmm. So where the first film, a lot of the humor comes from like the kids and how they interact and like their sort of ridiculousness of being like 11 and 12 or whatever they are. Like coming and into their bodies and bubbling everywhere. It's funny. Yeah. They're talking about puberty. They think they're a lot cooler than they are. They're nerds. They, I don't know. They do those all sorts of things. And it's funny to watch them because we're sort of related to that. And then it chapter two, of course, they're mature adult. Well, not really mature, but they're adults. <laughs> and um, that immediately sort of takes away what made the first film so charming which is the fact that it's like kind of just like kids figuring themselves out it's a youth-based story and this one's not and so i feel like the humor had to come from a different source which came from weird things like bizarre music cues and um bill Hader being like you gotta fucking be kidding me and like trying to be funny in his moments i, I think that makes sense because he's a comedian, a comedian yeah yeah but, but at the same time he was really trying to be like yeah. serious and the book he is a quote disc jockey Really? To the Wikipedia. I yeah, not a DJ, but a disc jockey. Oh my god! Um, but I guess in the miniseries, and then in this one, he's a comedian instead, which seems like a more mm. natural way to go. But I always found it weird that all of the kids, for the most part, found like untold like success. I know. Is, I know. Really yeah. weird. I'm like, like, this isn't the American story. They should be living under a bridge. Is so well, that, strange. That, that except is... for except for uh, Mike, who like Mike. My, it's the name's Mike, right? The guy who stays in Derry. Yeah, and, mm-hmm. but there's like a logical reason why he's, you know, he's not rich. It's because he didn't leave. I basically, it's like honestly thought leave. he was a detective at first because when he <laughs> when he shows up at the I beginning, did I, thought I did he, too. Yeah. I thought he was investigating, and I was like, oh, he's a detective. Like, oh, and then he's like, and no, he's he, living in the library. So I thought that was kind of quirky. Like, he lives in the library. Why does the library have that room in the first place? Is he employed by the library? Yeah. Is the library also a museum? Also, what is was... the operating? What's his monthly budget? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it really bothers me when I see movie, when that happens in a movie, and I'm like, I don't get the economic. Another behind it. another thing that I thought was weird was Derry itself in this one. Like a lot of the times, I get it. There's the Pennywise moments, like with Bill Hader's character and Paul Bunyan swinging shit around, and like all the people in the background just like frozen. Cool. Yeah. But like, there's weird moments like the mom with that little girl who had, like, the facial uh, scar or whatever. Mm -hmm. Her mom, like, was, like, disjointed and, like, just, like, entranced, it felt like. And she didn't care what her daughter was doing. And she's like, we're watching a baseball game. You wanted to watch a baseball. Like, it seemed like she was monotonous. And I was like, is the whole town like this? Are they all just, like, under, like, a trance because this thing has been there so long? And, like, Mm -hmm. it's like a puppeteer with everybody. Um. But then you have like the opening scene where they're at the fair and they they seem to be like normal people, but they were also talking about how they left or are leaving to New York and stuff like that. And maybe it's just like once you get detached from the town that like that bond breaks because everyone started forgetting Yeah. the further they were away. I wanted to say on Riley's point, the so this is kind of off topic, but um, a couple of weeks ago we talked about romantic comedies. And one of the things I think is so funny about like all romantic comedies is that 
like as a precursor for for it working as a story the characters have to have like perfect lives and the thing that's imperfect is like the the love story so they always have these ridiculous impossible jobs that no one has like they oh, yeah they write bank like, ceo to a large yeah Fortune 500 company <laughs> at the top of a new york city skyscraper or they're yeah. they're like a you know like a fashion writer and they just want to write about like <laughs> art and they're like no we want you to write about corporate art and that's like their work struggle so it was really interesting seeing this movie now because like i had the same reaction where i was seeing the jobs that they have and mm-hmm. i was like this is ridiculous and i think Part of that comes from the fact that, like, the book was written, uh, I don't remember, I don't know what year it was written in, but I remember, like, reading it, and um, the time in which I read it in high school, like, for me, that dream was still alive of, like, growing up and having, like, Mm -hmm. one of those ridiculous, impossible jobs that people don't really have anymore, like, people our age anyways. Um, So, like, I don't know, that was just, for me, that was a way in which the story was kind of dated, was, like, seeing them in these... Like, come on, he's he's that yeah. successful of an architect. He's like sitting in that office. Yeah, with God. his rolled up pants. Yeah, God, <laughs> disgusting. Um, yeah, in in that retrospect, it's it sort of bothers me, but at the same time, I do. I, it's an interesting opening too because I n- I noticed how at the end of the first one, you sort of have this idea that the characters have like overcome something to an extent. Mm-hmm. And then this film opens and sort of has that more realistic view of life where it's like, when you know, they're actually, well, they're still struggling with yeah. the same things. Like Bev is still falling into these relationships where she's controlled, even though she doesn't want to be. And um, what's the lead character's name? Oh, that's a bad Bill. Thing. Yeah. Bill. Yeah. And he's Dindor. still like bothered by his, he's not over his brother's death, even though the, I also forgot he had the, the, not the lisp, but the, uh, Stutter. The stutter. The stutter, like when yeah. I fir- like, because James McAvoy started like talking normal at first, and I completely forgot. Well, about that's, it. that's I think that was the idea, right? Yeah, he he gets the stutter back when he goes back to to Derry. Oh, I never actually yeah. like clicked with that. So, how do yeah. you become a famous screenwriter if he never has good endings? Isn't that like critical? Uh, Stephen King. I think that was <laughs> like, King is like criticized for, it, but he wrote, who writes so much. I don't know. Maybe they're supposed to be the same person in a way. I, don't, I, think, I think that's, that's what that's it was. Like, yeah. yeah. I think it, they were like talking about Stephen King. And then like, also like does bill go back to his wife. Cause like he went back and wrote a, like a decent, was writing apparently a decent like book at the end. And then like, but his wife was like nowhere to be found. I don't remember if he goes back to his wife or not. Um, I hope not, because they kind of seem like they were having a strained relationship. Mm-hmm. Well, he wasn't doing his job. <laughs> he was. She literally, yeah, like, true. her entire reputation is based off his writing material, and she's. He's like, I promise, I'll get it done to you. Also, what and was then the it's movie? It's not. What's the speculation on the movie they were probably working on? It definitely was a Stephen King one, but I feel like they like shot it on the same set for the actual movie. <laughs> <laughs> Just pull the camera. I was thinking that they were actually working on it when they were in the set, but then he didn't remember being home and stuff. So I was like, uh, maybe it was something else. Yeah. yeah. Poltergeist uh-huh. maybe. Um, I don't know. Was that even a Stephen King book? I don't even know. No. Um, Poltergeist. Or maybe, I don't know. No, I'm pretty sure it was something else, but <laughs> not Poltergeist. But what was another thing in this film that I, I liked the pacing was fast. I, we took me and Riley talked about like the opening scene mm-hmm. was kind of weird. To have like that whole setup, and then like Mike comes in and investigates because Pennywise has been after children, and all of a sudden, like this opening with him is him like devouring a grown person. Oh yeah, I think actually let's talk about the opening scene with um, 
Adrian's death because I, we were talking about how I didn't necessarily understand its purpose in the film. Explain who Adrian of, is too, because you were telling me about him. Yeah. Right. Um, so Adrian, as a character or the actor? The actor. The actor is played by Xavier Dolan. So if you're really interested in like international film or anything like that, Xavier Dolan's a really well-known um, filmmaker who makes you feel really shitty about yourself because his first film he ever made called I Killed My Mother um, was the, I think, grand prize winner at the Cannes Film Festival. And he was like 21 years old at the time. And he's made a massive slew of films. He's very successful based out of Quebec. Anyway, he dies in the first like two minutes of the movie. <laughs> Um, and the opening scene is basically Xavier Dolan, who really only accepts like gay roles because he's a gay man, um, is with his boyfriend, the town of Derry, and then a bunch of main rednecks kill him and throw him over the bridge. His boyfriend goes after him and Pennywise takes Adrian, who I'm guessing is, you know, 25 ish years old, whatever, um, devours him and kills him and it's like the opening to the film but of course that is a logic hole because as you said pennywise primarily uh gets children and i don't know if in the book there's a point of view of his death or if it's just like his death happens and they're like maybe it is connected to it we should bring him in and it also brings over the weird sort of sexuality theme that the film has not Overall, necessarily that yeah. it's weird it just seems like i don't really understand its purpose other than yeah, it felt to me that scene felt unnecessarily brutal. Yeah, yeah. I didn't understand because it, it's it felt like they were to me it felt like it was going to build to a point, like mm -hmm. they were going to try to make a statement, and I didn't see a statement outside of like maybe for five seconds they talked about how there's large swaths of the like I felt like maybe they were trying to say there's large parts of the country that like like in areas where the story takes place that are still really fucked up. But, yeah, th but they didn't seem to say anything beyond that, and so for me, that scene, I was like, uh, "Yeah, I don't know." It felt uh, kind of out of place. Yeah. It's it's so out of place, and I think it actually does a disservice to the movie because it already it opens up the movie, sort of showing that it's not actually Pennywise who's the scariest character in the movie. It's like the residents of the town. Yeah, and that I think was actually a really interesting point that the first film had, which was that as much as Pennywise does his like horrible things, you have their bully. Um, Bauer. Bauer, who goes and, like, you know, carves things on people's stomach and things like that. That's, like, really horrifying. And in this case, the town actually takes more of a backseat. It's more of just, like, a, a vague setting, you know, because it's, it's just there, frankly, for the film. And I think the setup of the movie just really did a disservice to the rest of the film because it, it was so alarmingly freaky and scary having this, like, really realistic gay bashing happening that it's, like, well, Pennywise really isn't the biggest problem these characters are going to deal with. So I wonder if maybe this is, just, I just thought of this while you're talking about it. I wonder if maybe uh, part of where that comes from is the fact that there's this thing in Stephen King's work, which is that he has a lot of social themes, but they take a backseat to his metaphysical beliefs. Mm -hmm. Cause like he is someone who does believe, like he believes in like ghosts and shit. Like okay. I, I remember there was one time, like I remember reading a quote from him where he talked about how the reason the shining wasn't a good movie to him was because Stanley Kubrick didn't believe in ghosts. And mm. so he couldn't make a good movie. So like, I noticed this thing um, in a lot of his books, which is that like, so, so like for instance, in it, uh, one of the big things that he was writing about is like the fact that so many people in small towns go missing mm. and like, no one cares. Like it just kind of like happens and then people move on. That's why it happens like once every 
27 years or whatever. But like, we don't like, I don't feel like anybody saw this movie and really walked away with that as like thinking about that. And I certainly never read the book and walked away thinking about that. I walked away thinking about like the themes that I think he like accidentally gives his attention to, like I said, like good and evil or like, like, um, like the, the things that happen to us as kids that like form us into the adults that we become. Okay. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe that's part of why it feels out of place or like, and why some of the pieces of the movie don't feel like they necessarily fit together. Interesting. Okay. Well, I've been talking about like weird parts. There's also Bauer as well that we were talking about. Oh, like, yeah. It's just kind of weird that he was back. Yeah. And like, cause he, it, it's, they kind of set it up like an agent of him, like of Pennywise, like an extension of Pennywise, but he, and then he had that weird moment with Eddie where he stabs him in the cheek. And then what's the other he, guy's name comes up the, up the steps to like help ben, him out. Ben, ben, yeah, yeah. And like, he's already gone and down on the ground. He's like one more to one, one down. And I'm like, you didn't kill anybody. You just stabbed him. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't even know what his purpose of the story is other than does that happen in the book? He comes back. From, I don't remember if he comes and back like, or not. And like Pennywise clearly was, like influencing him because the start of his entrance was the balloon. Like, well, he didn't do very well. He only gets like that one time getting after them. And, and all, all, then Pennywise, all Pennywise assisted with was giving him his knife back. That was it. Well, and that also brings up another question, which is why did Pennywise feel it was necessary to recruit him? Which means he feels like these people are a threat to him, I, but there's no real setup as to why Pennywise would really think that because he's I, already won. I get it in the first one because it's the loser's bully. And they're afraid of him, like, yes. and feeding off that fear, uh-huh. you know, it works. But in, he's he's just an insane person now in an asylum. Like, they could give two shits about this guy now. And, like, they're not even afraid of him when they when he shows back up. Like, right, they're yeah. only afraid of him because he's, like, he's crazy now with a knife. <laughs> like, And There's Eddie, no Eddie like, basically either. stabs him and he doesn't die, you know. And it's just like, oh, okay. And that's another thing that I thought was weird is, like, Eddie stabbed him. And he didn't, like, die. He was still alive. So I thought, like, Pennywise was, like, doing something to keep him, like, going. And at the towards the end of that whole, like, arc, like, um, Bill, what's Bill Hader's character name? Uh, Richie. 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 Richie is just one and duns him right away. And mm-hmm. it's, like, it's it. Yeah. They think that's sort of one issue that I think the film has is that narrative wise, it's not as tight as the first film has the first film. It's there's a lot more logic in terms of what the characters are doing. And so they're sort of very reactive to Pennywise and this one, because they're coming back and they're sort of um, in the same boat, but they're a lot more mature and um, it it sort of moves the, like what's going to happen next to be on Pennywise rather than them. Cause they're more of the offense in this case. And Pennywise is more of the defense theoretically, but it doesn't make sense why Pennywise is, is the, I, I don't know how to explain this other than the fact that it's confusing to me that Pennywise recruits um, Bowers as, as sort of like a defensive shield, meaning that he believes these people are out to get him, but there's no context to set that up. He could theoretically go and do the exact same child eating thing for a year or whatever time it is, and then go back underground. And it's sort of like Pennywise is sort of the author of his own demise because he's, his actions are kind of what causes them to come anyway. Yeah. And I, I think 
regardless of how that goes in the novel, I think in the film version, just it, it does seem a little odd. There's those moments where characters make choices or do something where I'm like, well, I don't really, I, I can get into it story-wise, but I'm not 100% sure of the logic behind the situation all the time. Yeah, there's also that, uh, I don't know if it's an editing thing or like what, but we were talking about mm-hmm. um, the that one scene with the, the new kid that... Uh, that uh, Bill is trying to save and like, we didn't know if it actually happened or it was just another illusion. I yeah. I couldn't either. And like, I'm pretty confident it was, it actually happened. Like it definitely had to. Cause like Bill was convinced. And he's like, he took him in front of me. Like I'm going to go kill him myself, you know? Yeah. But at the same time, like it had the whole illusion effect. Like after it happens, like it kind of like, disappears. And yeah. so it's yeah, it very strange. weird and confusing. Yeah. But that I like that kid. That kid was a pretty decent like. That, uh, yeah, he really <laughs> knocked that role out of the park. What else has he been in? Because he looks so. Familiar. He looks so familiar, and I wondered yeah. if it was the same actor who played um, Georgie. Georgie. Oh, that's, I, I got that impression because they both were really impressive actors, child mm. actors. Oh but, man, um, I didn't think about that. I don't. I don't think it was, but it'd be cool if it, it was. came off as really. But that kid, that poor kid, was like, "Man, this town's crazy!" (laughs) All these people are like, "Get out of here!" Yeah, I thought that was kind of funny, and I kind of wish they kept him as like more of a gag, and like every character had some sort of weird interaction with this kid. (laughs) This kid is like, "What a day!" (laughs) Speaking just goes home. (laughs) Speaking of uh, of of, like resemblances, I kept thinking throughout the whole movie, like, "Man, they like really got some adults who look like the kids," except for the three like people that you go see the movie to watch, which are Bill Hader, uh, Jessica Chastain, Jessica Chastain and, um, James McAvoy. James McAvoy. I didn't feel like they really looked like their kids very much. Interesting. So uh, I agree with James McAvoy, like him and yeah, like character wise. Sure. But I think it's cause their hair. Also, that's a real quick side note. Why did every? Why did we have all the older characters aged up with a tuft of gray everywhere? Like they're just like we're just gonna be a lick here, and then Bill's gonna have a lick of gray here, and like you'll have just like a slight gray, like because they're old. Just in case the audience didn't realize, <laughs> it's just so thirteen. Weird, <laughs> like why can't they just like okay, gray them up? Like why did I'm just gonna give a streak for you here and just one streak for you there? Yeah, <laughs> Andre um, just reached out and touched both of us when he, when he it was. I very, got you. I didn't get Riley. Very but, erotic. Um, you reached for Riley. But going back on that point is, yeah, James McAvoy didn't really match. Uh, it's kind of interesting because Bill Hader and uh, Jessica Chastain were picked by their child actors. They're like, who yes. do you want to play? And they cast them. Those are the only two that got picked that they asked. I've heard about. that, yeah. Everyone else didn't. It was like others. But I don't know. I felt like Jessica Chastain was a decent, like, Bev. But I, I, I love her as an actress. I just did not think she looked like the little Have girl. you seen the miniseries at all? I tried watching okay, it because like it was just the, not... the child actor versus the adult are like that they don't imagine well, no, they don't really care. Yeah, but... I just thought it was funny because like they have to have some big name actors yeah. that you're going to go see the movie for. Yeah. Um, but the ones to me that like looked the most like the kids were the ones who like I didn't I've never seen anything yeah. like Ben. I thought that guy looked a lot I like the he kid looked a lot like... really yeah. yeah. So at first I had to I didn't and, I didn't rich uh, uh, Eddie. Yes, yeah, that actor really, really knocks that out of the park because you tell the actor studied the kid's facial expressions like crazy mm-hmm. yeah. and had the same sort of like his head sort of and twitching. The and the hairstyle is very similar. I was looking yeah. at an actual picture of him. He doesn't look at all like what he actually looked like in the movie. And yeah, I agree with that. I 
didn't know recognize Ben at first. I was like, Ben looks not like this, but it, it grew. Well, they kid it. they they yeah. start the scene out with like the fat guy leading the meeting, and you're like, yeah. oh, it's Ben, and then it's like, no, it's actually this <laughs> oh, that one over my head. Man. I missed that. I yeah, know. I, I took it in my head. I was like, oh, I guess that's more. I thought Ben got sexy, but he didn't. But he did. What was our thought? So so yeah, um, fucking Ben. Was Ben the one that became this like sculpted man? Yeah, that was the one. But okay, um, who was the one that I thought? I thought Bill Hader looked fine as Richie because they had the same glass and everything. But it it is kind of hard because I'm sorry, Finn, but he does look kind of goofy, like as a who kid. Who does Bill? Oh, Finn, Finn does. Finn, yeah, like his his just like face is kind of goofyish, and he's growing into it. But whatever. Um, and Finn. Yeah, Finn, Finn actor, Wolfhard, who's yeah. that? Oh, okay. The strangest the head. And we, the we, were, yeah. we were actually talking about <laughs> this. We were actually talking about this too. The, I'll, I'll let you guys finish. <laughs> like he is a body part, not a human. <laughs> they make a mega. They make like a like a um uh uh what are those things? The Power Rangers, the Megazord. Yeah, yeah. Megazord. <laughs> um, but me and Riley were also talking about like how I felt like Finn's performance was like jaded like he was like eh, we're doing part two whatever and like riley brought up the fact of the de-aging thing and everything and they probably had to tweak his sound and stuff and that's possibly why he sounded kind of like not as good i guess right and um i don't know what we think about the whole de-aging thing i read some reviews that some people said it was really obvious and some people said it wasn't i would not have been able to tell other than I guess one clue about de-aging is sort of in this weird stage where the faces are just a little smoother or they're like really almost like clean and like shiny balmy and yeah Yeah. or something Mm -hmm. like that. And um, I got a little bit of that from the kids, but I don't think that the de-aging tools had to do a whole lot because they're still like young, but of course they had to do some editing with the voices because the kids are quite a bit older now. (laughs) And so that created some weird stuff where you could tell the voices in my view had been scrubbed. I didn't think the sound was like really super superior, the sound editing at least in the film. I mean, we got that angel song and it just gets cut off. So Yeah, but then we had, you know, other things where you could tell like they added a lot of stuff in ADR and Jessica Chastain's her mouth doesn't move when she says it or yeah. when Eddie says the line about you need to cut the mullet. It was really obvious he turned around the corner, but his mouth didn't move. <laughs> and they added it in. And I was like, hmm. He was also like in that scene though, he wasn't moving his jaw very much. He was like, you need to cut the because he had just gotten stabbed. I get but, it. But he had also just gotten stabbed yeah, and had no sense. reaction to it. So <laughs> I guess we have to suspend a little disbelief. And it was just like uh, I don't know. And then Pennywise has just been like all about these like eight kids for this long instead of like and like he was still like going after kids but it was like those ones that he specifically craved well they're the only ones that ever killed him they didn't really kill him though but like they got you the know, closest i guess yeah but like riley brought up a good point at the end of the first one like they didn't do anything different they did the same exact thing where they weren't afraid of it and like were able to get it mm-hmm. weakened and then he like gets killed and then killed air quotes and then in this one the same exact thing like they because their memory, and maybe it's a memory thing, and they just didn't remember. But they're like, "Don't be afraid, don't be afraid. Like, let's push forward." Um, this one felt <laughs> like it went on a little longer yeah. than it needed to, and they definitely got like, yeah, they got two Pennywise this time. Like, they clearly grabbed his heart, and like, that's how it ends finally. But it kind of sucks that we lost like two of the the t- character. I feel like it would have been like Pennywise should have been a little bit stronger because 
two of the people were now like eliminated. And so it would have been, I guess maybe it was a little bit. But he bit, didn't but... eat them, I guess. And actually, we don't know anything about like Pennywise's That's biology. True. So, or even why he feels the need to eat people. And also the first, the first one had that whole, like when they go down in the sewers, the whole scene with all the kids floating, you know? And that, that was the whole point of it. Like you'll float too. You know, and like all the kids oh, are floating. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And in this one, it was like, you, you'll float again. And like they bring up that whole same thing. But no, there's no kids. Like it's been, he's been doing these attacks again, but there's no, there's no entities floating. Well, I think anywhere. that's just because he just started. Was it? Because Mike made it, he's like, it's happening again. I have this report of this. Well, yeah, that's the whole point. Because he was and like, the report of this going on. Like, yeah, there's like three of them. That was the whole point was he was like, we have to get started before lots of people die. I guess. But again, like there's a bunch of missing pictures and I was just like, okay, where are the kids? Yeah. And I think that's part of why I was saying that I felt like the disappearance of the kids and the town in general sort of took a backseat to the actual character's narrative, which is, I guess, okay. But I think it sort of like didn't really help with the urgency of the situation. I, I, the whole time I sort of got this vibe that they could have just like left. Which they could have the actually, they, they could because mm-hmm. the only reason they were there is because of an oath they took when they were twelve, yeah. and because they would kill themselves if they didn't. Yeah, like them. remember, like oh. they were infected, technically, cool, and like yeah, eventually they were all gonna. Bev saw how they all died. I don't know. I feel like they could have. I feel like that could have been more. a scene towards the end too. It's like okay, now that that's over, how were we all supposed to die? Like I want to know. Like Bill Hader's. Character, well, no, she like, said they would all die like that. Oh, they all cut themselves. Yeah, they would all like kill themselves. Because, like, that's what would happen. Like, that's what she said, was they would all die the same way he did. Hmm. Oh. Okay. That's sad. Yeah. Yeah. Are they still going to? No, because no, they had to. The whole thing is lifted now, I guess. But, um, and another thing that I thought was interesting that I brought up after we saw the movie was there wasn't very much of Pennywise that there was in the first film. Yeah. Like, it was very much character-driven, and Pennywise showed up here and there, but it wasn't really... As big, the only I think the only time that he really like presented himself was when they were going for their artifacts, and that's when like everybody had their moments of like getting whatever. Which yeah. speaking of, so uh, am I? What am I supposed to make of the scene with like Pennywise? Um, the well, naked actually, lady scene. <laughs> the naked lady scene, but um, so scary. Well, with Pen- this, the scenes that they sort of were pushing the idea that Pennywise was at some point a human. And, you know, we meet Pennywise's daughter who's like, talks about um, her father and there's a photo of Bill Skarsgård. I think that was just like a, a story built that Pennywise had because the whole when when Bev leaves that building, it's abandoned. There's well, like nothing there. Yeah. But then I also had this theory in my head because we saw in the uh, Native American scene that this thing would present itself to the natives in a different way. And now it presents itself as a clown um, to the residents of Derry. So I wondered if like Bill Skarsgård was supposed to be a character that this entity had somehow come across oh. and took on that, that particular oh, like, like body way, man. way, way back, way, 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 way back. Yeah. That, yeah. That, I guess that could I make like sense that because like he's been there for millions of years. So he definitely, he's been terrorizing that whole area. And, and then there's also that scene when just before Bev leaves where he's like a nor like, he doesn't have his clown makeup on and yeah. he's like painting himself and then scratching. That was an interesting clothes. choice of them to do that. Yeah. I was like, I remember like watching that scene and not like knowing what I thought of it, but being like, this is an interesting decision <laughs> that they made. And then um, I do like that they poke fun in the sacrificial like setup. They're like, that coin's not going to burn. 
and like that inhaler, <laughs> like they point out the obvious like dumb like moments yeah. on that. Well, I don't know. Maybe we can look at greater symbolism of what it might mean. Oh well, yeah, just like the closeted gay character with like a memory of like oppression, sexual oppression, tossing it in, and the guy's like, it's not going to go away. Oh, <laughs> I don't know. I just kind of came up with that. But still, like, brilliant. It was still, <laughs> it was still like funny that they made fun of like things that are obviously not going to burn. And then I don't get Mike's intentions. Still, like, why didn't he tell the people the the group about that last like little moment? Oh, the, the sudden plot twist yeah. sort of thing. And like you know, Bill knew noticed because like he, or I think it was Bill that looks at it and sees that scratched up thing, and then like. Mike takes it away from him real quick. Well, I think, I mean, I think it explains it. I think it was just that he wanted them to believe that it would work and that he thought that if they believed it would work, that it would work. Well, that doesn't make sense because if it worked, then there would be no Pennywise to begin with. Yeah. And then, so there was, <laughs> was a plot hole in his plan that again, nobody asked. Again, going back to it, like Mike's the only one who stayed. So his memories are the freshest out of all of them. So he should have known that in the beginning, when we first did this, the first time we succeeded by not being afraid. Like mm-hmm. it wasn't because of this like yeah. native ritual. It was because well, we all together banned it more. We weren't afraid and made him small and like. That's what, what that's believed. what I'm saying though is that I think that he saw that they came up with a way to get rid of them, rid of him, and that he knows because he's the only one that has memories, so he remembers them not being afraid. Mm. So I think he like thought that if we're not afraid and we think this will work, then it'll work. Okay, I guess, I guess I can get behind that, but it was still kind of like a a weird end around to get just to the point where we ended up. And like it was just a waste of time, and like Eddie could have still been alive if they didn't, he didn't pull that stuff. But I guess, I guess. And then there's no movie though. No, I mean, you need just, like it just be shorter. Yeah, it just but be like, shorter. You just cut that, out the, whole the part of the, with them as as adults is significantly shorter, so there's less material, so they had to write something. I mean, I'm not saying it's perfect, but like I just think it's there so that they have time to draw it out. I, I don't think the the thing about them having to go and get like totems is that what they called it? Or? I guess the. I think they refer to it tokens. as like art- they call tokens. Them- or no, artifacts. They call tokens. I thought they. I think he just had a token. Is that why? Well, I think they call the artifacts. Didn't they? Yeah. Well, that's. A th- I think if I'm remembering correctly, that's something that's just in the movie too. Okay. So the whole thing, I think, was sort of superfluous. Yeah. yeah. And I was talking to Riley too because when looking up stuff, they that we didn't understand, it was because it was fan service for the book. Like there were certain. I guess there was outcry that fans had that certain scenes or certain moments didn't happen that they were, I guess, promised in the first one. So they forced it. Into <laughs> the, like, I didn't promise anyone. Anything. They, yeah. They forced it into the second one. Or, and it's, it's just like kind of misplaced a little bit. That's really irritating. I kind of hate, I think this is just like a side thing. I really hate that the way that like people now just feel that they own the things that they enjoy consuming and that they can just demand that it'd be different. Or I right. blame Paranormal Activity because every movie was like, demand it. I don't. I blame the I larger actually, but... issue at hand in social media, which has sort of given people this viewpoint that they had. They do have a voice in the film and mm-hmm. it's kind of, especially for franchises, of course, it's kind of harmful, I think, to the art as a whole, which is that it's like, we can't necessarily trust the creator of the art anymore. It's like, it's like a communal co-op filmmaking scenario and that sounds horrible yeah so i don't know why that keeps happening and why fans think that they're actually getting some you most of the time they're not most of the time studios are like not giving into like fan demand of showing like two boys flirting with each other at a grocery store i don't know whatever it is that characters want out of these 
things, but yeah. And you know, you know, like for me, the thing is that when they do get something, it's never anything good. Like, like yeah, you know, like if it was something where they're actually validating a narrative that we haven't seen on screen and fans are like, we would really love to see this on screen. It'd be great to see ourselves represented. And then that was given to them. Mm-hmm. I would be totally in favor of that. But I always, the thing it ends up being is like, the thing that comes to mind for me is when in game of Thrones, they referenced a meme about Gendry. Like when the, he was Did they like, really? yeah. Cause they were like, we thought you were still rowing. Cause there was like a million memes about he. Oh <laughs> yes. And I was like, this sucks. Like, <laughs> is this in the show? Just to know. We should. They should just add. We forgot about you. And yeah, it would be fine because they did. Right. And it's okay. We brought Gendry back for no purpose. Which scenes were there that they? I don't even like I that. There were back in that like the fans demanded. I have to go back in and see it. Um, I think one was the smokehouse scene, but I can't remember the whatever it's called. Um. But I, I'd have to go back and check. Well, regardless, going back to the um, the whole like finding your token thing and it like sort of showing this like backstory. I mean, I liked the scenes themselves; they were like fun. But other than Richie's backstory, you don't get any new information. It's all sort of a rehash of things that we already know about the characters, and so it felt kind of draggy. It's like, like oh, Richie Eddie's... would just straight up leave his mom. Bro, <laughs> <laughs> Eddie. Oh, oh Eddie, no, yeah. Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, we already knew about Eddie's mom and all that stuff, and then we already knew he was a hypochondriac. I also we knew kind of like the fact that, that like, father. like, Eddie is so, like, a mama's boy that he married someone that was basically, like, his mother. I think that's the idea, <laughs> yeah. that <laughs> like, he needs someone who's, like, super overbearing. Yeah. yeah. Um, which is weird. There's a lot of weird speculation, I guess, with the ending as well, that um, Eddie and Richie are, had a relationship or were dating, but I guess that's up to, like, audience interpretation. Yeah. How you want to... That's what I, it seems like. I didn't really get that vibe. I think it sort of promotes the idea that Richie might have always had a crush on Eddie, mm-hmm. which might be possible. I don't know. Given his also flirting with the boy at the arcade, it doesn't seem like it's his type. But yeah. um, but also, I felt like that was just a, a moment that was forced more because bullies got to be bullies, you know? So then they started, like, that whole moment of, like, get away from me. What are you trying to, like, just being a bully? And I, I don't know, it was just like so, I just, I don't know how I feel really. It was disjointed a bit. About um, specific, what about? about Just like Richie's trying flashback? to, yeah, but trying to create that, that whole like vibe of like Richie might be him gay, he might not be, like we don't know. No, he oh, is. Like, I, no, he definitely is, but I, I think, I don't know, I only had an issue with the scene because as someone who obviously watches a lot of like LGBT cinema, it's like super cliche in that genre of like, yeah two boys talking and then yeah. like they're sort of getting into it and then the cool kids come and the that's guy's what, like, that's what yeah and like the guy's sort of like no get away from me gross yeah and it's like a hurt betrayal it's, yeah. it's very cliche and it didn't really come across that way in this particular yeah. version at least not when my initial viewing happened and so looking back at it yeah it's kind of um it's kind of shruggy it's like oh the tragic gay character and then like Why yeah can't he but get a yeah. break also except for the pennywise like brings it up on the whole like scene in the park with him like your little secret and i'm like well okay and that brings up another point which i'm confused about the timeline which is um it's been 27 years since the first it incident which also brings another question which is is it 27 years since i don't know they keep saying it's been 27 years Mm -hmm. 27 years i'm like well is it 27 years since all of you guys last saw each other is it 27 years since the movie sort of implies that they haven't seen each other for 27 years 
but I'm guessing other than that, Bev who leaves at the end of the first film that they, they were together until high school. Yeah. I don't know. But the, going back to the whole thing with um, Richie, I, I just find it odd to believe that Richie is like, you know, successful Hollywood comedian and is like afraid to come out. Yeah. Um, not that everyone yeah. doesn't have their own journey and it would have been interesting narrative wise if he's like, he is out, but he's afraid to like be out to his childhood friends, which is like a different scenario. But um, this idea that he's still sort of like, I, I don't know, he sort of, sort of has like eighties mentality didn't really seem to like mm-hmm. make sense in the world that they were living in. I feel like it's also very much like with their memories too, like the way they're trying to like, oh, you don't remember, you know? Mm-hmm. And so like a lot of, they were trying to like feed that, like you mm. don't remember this or you don't remember that, you know? It it just doesn't translate very well because I don't I just, I just don't know it's just was well, it's maybe I'm just thinking about these things now like as we're talking about them but it, do you think maybe there's something in the movie that's there like unintentionally or maybe intentionally as a theme about like um, they they don't remember the town but like they still they still have the residue of the town with them like maybe the reason. Well, the, I feel like, yeah, they've all, all, every single one of them had like an imprint, I guess I'll call it like mm-hmm. of their town. They made, they don't right. remember, but like, I'm pretty sure like, uh, Richie's comedy is based in like his but hometown sensibilities. But what I'm saying is like, maybe it's like, maybe the reason that Richie hasn't come out is because he, he's from a very homophobic town. And maybe the reason that Beverly's in a be. abusive relationship is because she, like, even though she can't remember it, she was abused in that place yeah that's what i'm saying and so about they don't the remember it but it's thing. still there yeah and then like uh eddie and his mom kind of thing going on like you know him being like mm-hmm. attached and going from you know all that stuff he's a risk analyst um just very fitting for his and, character yeah <laughs> and, like bill is like a horror writer yeah or like suspense or and uh, yeah i feel like that definitely comes like it's subconsciously there Mm-hmm. But they're not aware that they're until Does he like write it at the end. Is that what that's what writing? I felt like yeah. he was? I'm that's like, what he's writing. That is a big issue for me because um, <laughs> there's not a whole of, a whole lot of logic as to how they how do they get back into normal society, especially the fact that like Eddie is now dead and they don't bring his body back up. And, yeah, and like yeah. <laughs> someone has to figure out what's going on there, and also they're going to look at like. Powers. Like, well, there's that, and the like, house is collapsed. Yeah, they left the body just. Someone's there. gonna look the at library. all these people's phone logs someone, and be like, "Wow, this dude from Derry was calling like all of them." Therefore, maybe something fishy's going on. Is gonna yeah. go try to check out a book at the library and be like, "Oh, oh wait, but no, Mike came back and cleared out his space. Did he leave the body there?" He's just like, "Bye." Maybe I don't know. Um, and then, yeah, poor, poor. That's at least I was hoping they would bring out the body because that's your friend. Like, nah, he's buried down there. Yeah. Um, and the house collapsed. That's gone. There's always this sort of like weird trope in like horror series or anything like that where they're basically if there's like a large body count, there's almost this like total dismissal of it. Yeah. And, and you see that. And there's also like destruction of public property in horror movies and TV series especially um, that it happens consistently. Like what's a... Like um, when Teen Wolf was on MTV and it became like a running joke in the fan base of the fact that so many people died over the course of the show and the hospital got like massacred like four or five times over the course of the series. Mm. And like nobody asked a question. 
Like nobody was like, oh, this is weird. There's like dead bodies all over the there's, hospital. We're not like, nurses. We're understaffed. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I can forgive it, but like it sort of also falls into the trope where there's just like so many questions about how the town would react that we just don't. Yeah, I agree. Because like it. at well, the same time, Derry is also like, oh, we're missing a child, missing posters. Like instead of well, not we don't even really. get to see that. It's like that's that was one of the issues, too, which is that the missing kids thing is, is swept under the rug. Yeah. yeah, we don't. Well, yeah, you get yeah. moments of it. But yeah. And to go back to what you were saying a minute ago about like um, about Bill, Billy, Bill, Bill writing it at the end. Mm-hmm. I'm just so sick of this thing in movies about like this glorifying the writer like it's one of the things i hate I most know. about the the great gatsby movie where, i was like, just thinking about that <laughs> like it's just like throwing the pages and like give me a break as someone personally who really likes the great gatsby movie it is infuriating that this dude is like walking around the great gatsby movie and being like oh my god i just i had to quit writing I was a writer, but now I'm a bondsman because I failed at writing. And then this asshole has the audacity to, he spends two and a half hours with the audience telling them how terrible he is at writing. Then he writes the fucking great Gatsby at the end of it. <laughs> like, what kind you, of a dick? You, yeah. you know what that reminds me of, too, weirdly enough, is uh, Lemony Snicket's A Series of Unfortunate Events, the movie. Because that's the same thing. He's like, is that type, what he does? He's typing away the whole movie. And then, like, at the end, he, like, finishes the story. And then Game yeah. of Thrones or, did it, too. Where, oh, that's um, right. Yeah, Sam writes it, and he writes right. a Song of Ice and Fire at the end, and it's like Frodo oh, writing Lord of the Rings. Frodo writing, yes. <laughs> Stop it. We, they don't have to be in the same universe. Like we don't care. Which yeah. also, what's it's kind of weird. I again, we still have to watch Shining. Me and Franco. Because I've never seen it. I'm um, gonna read the I'm book, not invited. Okay. and then we're gonna watch it. You can be invited yeah, if you want. If you want to watch it, no, no, now I feel awkward. But myself but to party. what I'm trying to lead to is <laughs> what is this whole thing that. Stephen King's like, I don't know if it's in the book, but it's definitely in the movies um, with this whole like leper thing because he, uh, Eddie has that whole leper like mm-hmm. moment. And then the shining has that one with the old lady. And the only reason I know that is because of ready player one. That's only mm-hmm. part of shining. Like I've really seen where the, she's like a leper kind of stat looking thing too. And even uh, Bev's like vision too was like that old lady was I don't know. Yeah, I mean, like, what is with the deal with this? I don't remember. I haven't read the shining book, so I don't know if the, if the like creepy naked lady is in that, but I would, I will say like, he's talked about on multiple occasions, the fact that a lot of the things in his, in his books, especially the older ones are like products of their time. Like there's a scene that was an, in, in the novel. It that's uh very, uncomfortable and very unfortunate which is oh, like i know that that scene yeah it's essentially that, like, yeah that they didn't put it at all they're like no we're not gonna do this yeah and exactly we we're talking about the orgy scene right yeah yes okay it's like and, either that or it's the turtle scene and i don't know <laughs> no no but he you know he came out and was like you know that scene doesn't belong in the film it was a different time when i wrote it we didn't know as much about like childhood development and we had all these ideas because like you know like when you think back to like um pop psychology there used to be all these ideas that people had that like, you know, um, most of what forms us as adults is based on like childhood sexual encounters. A lot of that comes from like old ideas in psychology, like all the way back to Freud. And actually just like on this topic, I was just, I just read a tweet that said like most Hollywood like origin stories that deal with like children, you know, when the, the characters are children 
they do rely more on old theories in psychology than mm-hmm. like what we understand now about what informs us as we grow up. Like it's much more like you inherit a lot of things. You're born with a lot of things. It's more like, you know, broad experiences, but there's still a lot of movies that, you know, pretend like, um, yeah, like that those things are the things that like decide how, how we're going to be as adults. And that's just not necessarily true based on everything that we know. So, huh? Yeah. Well, well, there goes the end movies. There you go. Yeah. I'm going to say Forget that wraps it. up pretty much what our discussion on this movie. It's going to be a little bit of extended setup, but that was cool. Uh, thank you, Riley, for joining us for this little one. Thanks for welcome aboard. Letting me force my way in. You didn't force your way in. We've been begging you to come on. I did kind of force my way in because oh, wow. I was standing in your door. And <laughs> so that's uh, fine. It's about that's time. true. We're going to have a politics episode where I yell at Franco for an hour. Riley's really excited. excited about yeah. it. I am. Um, <laughs> wow, that was incredible. <laughs> I want to talk about how wrong you are, even though I have no idea what it is that you're voting for. He has for. no idea who I'm voting for, and he's upset. We're going to talk about it. We're, we're going to talk about yeah. those feelings. One day. In one day, later episode. Stay yeah. tuned. Have a good night. Stay frosty. Goodbye, humans. Well, that's a wrap on another episode. This episode brought to you by uh, our special guest, Riley Gardner. Thank you for joining us. He is no longer in the room. Unfortunately, we had to sacrifice him like it. Yeah, Pennywise ate Riley. He's gone. Goodbye forever. But you got to hear from him before that happened. His famous last words. Yeah. Actually, we're hoping to get him more on, off, more get him on more often so hopefully that does transpire well, yeah um tell us what you guys thought of this episode if you uh, have some thoughts about the movie or any of the other stuff we talked about universal basic income you can tweet at us or instagram us and please do take your time with this episode i know it's gonna be a good chunk of time so enjoy it uh and yes please uh chime in yeah just a heads up too um we're gonna be tw- We've been tweeting a lot more, and uh, we're trying to use the Twitter. I've mostly been doing the tweeting, but DeAndre's been tweeting as well. I've been at work, sir. <laughs> okay, he's been he's been really busy, so I've been doing it most of it. Um, um, but basically, we just want to you know share stuff with you guys that we found helpful and that uh, we think is cool, and um, you know hopefully you get some value out of it. So and we, uh, we get value out of the podcast. To to finish off, please. Now that you're here at the end of this episode, I. Unfortunately, should have said this in the intro, but uh, go back and count how many times Franco smacked his lips in this episode because uh, we might have a record on our hands. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Y'all have a good night. Please don't tweet at that. Please do Please tweet don't this. Tweet I want to know the number of times. Please do it. <laughs> oh, Lord. Um, okay. Enjoy your night. Enjoy your week. And we'll see you again next time on Discussion Ready. <laughs>